The second event we pick up is the destruction of Jerusalem, including the temple, which happens in 70 AD. This is something Jesus had predicted 37 years earlier, and like the first pivot point, it involves the Romans. So here's the backstory. When the Old Testament ends, the Jews are free. Um, as you may know, the, the northern ten tribes of Israel had been conquered in 722 B.C. by the Assyrians, and they're marched off, and we don't hear from them again. Uh, in 586 B.C., so 100-plus years later, the, uh, the southern two, two-and-a-half tribes called Judah, um, they are conquered, they're taken captive by the Babylonians, and they're hauled back to Babylon, where they where they live for seventy years in exile. So, um, at the end of that run, the Babylonians are defeated by the Persians, and the Persians have a different operating system. They allow the Jews to go back to Israel. They just have to pay really heavy taxes, and this is the arrangement that is in place when the Old Testament ends. So we get a few books written at this time. Uh, we call them post-exile books after the 70 years, post-exilic books, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. So that's what's happening when the Old Testament ends. And we have a 400-year period between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New. And during those 400 years, a few things happen, such as Alexander the Great conquers the known world. And he unites it, and he forces everybody to learn Greek language and, and uh, some other things. But then he dies at the age of 33. His lieutenants are not nearly his equal, and everything begins to fall apart. Israel, um, who had been under the Greeks, under Alexander the Great, uh, now falls under a couple of these splinter dynasties, and eventually... Uh, this guy named Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, a Seleucid, he, he ticks them off. He goes into their temple and he desecrates it. Um, Statue of Zeus and all kinds of other things, a pig. And, and so, so they will revolt. So this is the revolt that happens under uh, the Maccabees. And it's what is celebrated today with Hanukkah. They, they gain their independence. So the Jews have independence then until the Romans show up, 63 B.C., uh, Pompey, the general, comes and he conquers Israel. And so now Israel becomes part of the Roman Empire, and this is going to be the situation when Jesus is born. Uh, now, in response to this, uh, the Jews uh, are governed by this complicated system. So Caesar is in control of everything. Under Caesar, you have a Roman governor, Pilate. He's got control of the military. Caesar also appoints a king. Herod the Great is the, is the first one, and then there's a series of Herods, because Herod, like George Foreman, names all his kids. George Foreman named all his kids George. Herod names all his kids Herod, including the women. And so you got all these Herods running around, but Herod the Great is the first one. He's not a Jew, and so the Jews don't really accept him, but um, they are governed by him. And then also you've got this council made up of some Sadducees and some Pharisees. These are Jewish uh, sects. So the Jews, in response to Rome, divide into four groups. The Sadducees are sort of the liberal elite. They, they cooperate with Rome. The Pharisees are the religious right. They uh, believe that if they can just be, be holy enough that God will honor them, they'll get their independence from Rome. 
the Zealots want to just fight Rome. They want to overthrow Roman occupation. And then the Essenes are sort of pacifists. They go out in the desert uh, to, to just be, be quiet and try and avoid and let everybody else kill each other. So uh, this is the situation uh, that is going on. Now, um, there's this council, the Sanhedrin, and, and Pilate and Herod and, and, and Caesar. And so the Jews don't like this, and they keep revolting. They keep being these skirmishes. They're paying heavy taxes. They're overrun. They don't like it at all. And uh, lots of these little uprisings. One of them uh, in, that happens in 66 AD, this protest begins to spread and uh, becomes a riot, and then it becomes a full-fledged revolt, and the Jews defeat the Roman garrison that's there. So Rome sends some reinforcements, and they defeat this, uh, this reinforcement. And so then, then Caesar's mad, and he sends uh, a real general. Uh, he sends this guy, uh, Vespasian, and he shows up with three legions of troops, and he begins to make steady advances throughout Israel, marching towards Jerusalem. And he gets to Jerusalem, and uh, he's getting ready to lay siege to, to the city, when he finds out that Nero has died. And so he appoints his son, Titus, to be in charge of things, and he runs back to Rome to take over, and indeed he does. Um, so Titus lets a bunch of the pilgrims, because this is happening around the time of the Passover, and by the way, this whole series of revolts will take eight years before it's put finally and fully put down. So Titus lets the Jews at that particular moment that are coming to Israel, coming to Jerusalem for the Passover, he allows them to go into the city. Oh, it's just going to make things worse because then his tactic is to lay siege to the city, which basically means you surround it and you starve people out. Well, now there's all these extra people there. And so there is this siege that is going to go on uh, for uh, a number of years. And eventually, uh, Titus will bring down to Jerusalem, will bring Jerusalem down, and, and, and they starve people out. The zealots inside don't want to compromise. The people suffer horribly. Uh, we have a reports from Josephus, who was a Jewish historian who, who had become a Roman. He writes about this. He claims there are three million people there and that a million, over a million people will starve to death and gives horrific descriptions of them eating their shoes and leather and cannibalism and other things that happen. Most historians think that Josephus' numbers are inflated. But, um, but, but this is going to lead to the destruction of Jerusalem. And, and indeed, the Romans will be mad, and so they will destroy the temple, completely destroy it. The only thing they leave is the West Wall, the Wailing Wall that we have today. So just a couple other things to note here. Um, so the Jews... Uh, a number of Jews will hole up in Masada, this in incredible desert fortress that Herod had built, and uh, about a thousand people will be there. And it'll take another few years for the Romans to finally uh, break Masada, and all the Jews there will, uh, just before they're, they're overrun, they'll commit suicide. And it's sort of a position of honor, the, the way that they, they, they held forth even today. Masada, remember Masada is something that Jewish, that Israeli forces will say. Um, so the other thing is that there will be another, even after all of this takes place, there will be some more revolts by the Jews in the next few years. And finally, the Romans will say, enough, we're done. 
and they will go in and they will they will destroy about 50 strongholds and a, and not quite a thousand villages in Israel. They'll raise them to the ground and they'll literally try and plow Israel under and they'll say there is no more Israel and they'll rename it uh, Sirius Palestinia. Uh, so Palestine becomes the name. And for the next 1800 years, there is no Jewish homeland. So why is this um, the one of the 100 most important things to happen? Why do we highlight this? Well, first of all, it brings a definitive end to any Christian association with the temple. Jesus is the new temple, right? He is the place where heaven and earth intersect. And it brings an end to any thought of going for sacrifices. Jesus is the final sacrifice. Additionally, uh, it will drive a clear distinction between the Jews and the Christians in almost everybody's mind. It will fundamentally, and it will fundamentally change Judaism because now Ju the Jews have no temple. So um, that's the second pivot point, inflection point in history. Next week, we will look at Justin um, Martyr and the First Apologists. Have a good week.